Good day, listeners. It's your man, Dame DNYDC, host of the Two Mics Up podcast. And we're back again today with another amazing episode. Man, I can't wait to get into this one. Our guest today, Lise, I had the pleasure of just sitting down with them this past Wednesday and tuning into their amazing podcast. And when I say fun, and and our guest today is a bundle of energy and smiles. And I cannot wait for everyone to get to know more about her and what she's doing. And uh, I believe today we're actually taking a trip to Long Beach, California. We're heading out west with today's guest. But before we get into that, Lise, you know, I see you nodding. You know, usually that means you got some things you want to share. I'm going to let you share before we let our guests go ahead and jump in and introduce ourselves to everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, listeners. Hey, bruh. I am excited, yes, because first and foremost, I'm a fan. Um, I'm a Grey's Anatomy fan. <laughs> so I am just like starstruck a little bit looking at her. She's so beautiful and graceful. And I am just ready to get this uh, started. I, I'm so grateful that you took the time out to join us today. Like I said, I'm a fan. I did a little research and I can see why you uh, won Miss University. <laughs> You're so pretty. <laughs> So I'm really, really excited for that. So I'm glad you're here. Well, without further ado, I'm going to back away and I'm going to let this beautiful woman introduce herself to our audience. Please, everyone, stand by as we let today's amazing actress, artist, introduce herself to you all. Hey, hey, listeners, and hey, Dame and Lisa, thank you for so much love already. Today, yes, I am bringing you some sunshine from Long Beach, California, but I'm also always secretly representing the Bull City of North Carolina. That's where I was born and raised and will always have a place in my heart for. Thank you for showing Grey's Anatomy love and me love and social worker Janet. It's been a few seasons ago, but I swear folks go hard for some Grey's <laughs> It's still nice to be in that world and on the radar, and I really look forward to this conversation today. Thank you for having me. Well, I mean, we, we don't want to leave out some of your other work because, I mean, you know, you go back as a voiceover artist, you know, your podcast host, you know, and I just like you said, reading about you, you know, you love wine, you love your Tar Heels, and all things bacon. Now, I found that one to be interesting. That's an interesting combination. So let's talk about all things bacon, because I know, you know, my family being from the South, we like a little, a little pork and swine. I didn't get this big by not having none. But, but where, where did that really develop from all things bacon? I mean, I, I definitely shouted out my hometown in Durham, North Carolina, and it came from there. You can take the girl out the South, but you can't take the South out. <laughs> Some folks Absolutely. come to California, lose everything related to meat. And I am definitely not knocking any kind of health and, and, and healthier eating game. But I believe health is all about moderation. So if I want some bacon, which is that ooh, perfect piece of salt to uh, spice up and flavor up anything to make it taste good, Deal me in, please. And I go harder than the bacon. I ain't want to throw out all my business, but we are a chitlin eating family. We will have chitlins every Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I am not too good to stop eating them. So, um, yes, that is all very true and a reflection of uh, who I am and what my roots are. But who doesn't love bacon, though? Like, you can't even sleep through bacon when it's cooking. Like, when bacon is cooking, you could be in a deep, like, you know, coma-type sleep, and you smell bacon, and you're like... Right? That's so true. you on that. You know, you touched on, you know, uh, early on, you know, coming out of North Carolina, you know, we find that, you know, you were very accomplished and highly educated. Um, can you share some of those details, you know, because it seemed like education really played a huge part in your background and up upbringing in North Carolina? Absolutely. So North Carolina, again, I think we have the second highest number of HBCUs um, out of every state in the union. My parents are proud graduates of North Carolina Central University. And when they went there, it was North Carolina College. So growing up in Durham, I was always surrounded by Black folks, 
who I could see were getting an education and, and everyone is born in a different family. So it wasn't necessarily the expectation that your parents had a college education, but it was the expectation that you were going to get one. <laughs> right. And so it wasn't even a question what you were going to do after high school. Cause it was somewhere for somebody and everybody to go. The opportunities were there and, and what a blessing. So for me, I got a scholarship to go to the university of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. It was called the Moorhead uh, Scholarship. Orig now it's called the Moorhead Kane Scholarship, but either way, it was a full ride, not just uh, the tuition, books, housing, but also summer experiences. It was modeled after the Rhodes Scholarship Program and every summer has a different theme. So for example, the first summer, is outdoor leadership. So I did an outward bound course, which was from like Colorado to Utah, hiking, mountaineering and canyon exploring and whitewater rafting. Second summer, the theme is um, um, public service. So I was a teacher in an inner city school program in Cincinnati, Ohio. Third summer, private enterprise. I worked for a PR firm in New York. The final summer, is anything you want to do anywhere you want to go? Shoot, I'm always wanting to go to Africa as a dream, uh, just to, to, to be back in the motherland to, or to have the opportunity to visit. I knew one person in the whole continent. It was a brother that lived in South Africa. And the other part is I love to dance. Although my dancing really is just me in my room with the door closed, I still love to dance. So the scholarship funded my desire or dream to visit Africa and learn to dance or, or go uh, explore the world of dance. So I did that in South Africa and it was something that was all uh, funded by, by the scholarship program. So again, what a blessing. And it wasn't just the education, going to class, getting good grades component. It was the opportunity to travel and do different things and open up your mind to what the world had to offer. So I will always be in gratitude for that scholarship program and for being a recipient. And now, you know, 20 years later, <laughs> it, it, it has come full circle. So now this uh, same scholarship program has grown their alumni community. So I'm active in terms of building the um, LGBT and Black alumni networks from the, the university just to, to reconnect with such a powerful source of what originally, um, maybe not originally, but was part of, of building my fire for, for learning, for travel, for people, for different ideas and experiences. So, so yeah, that was a really long answer, Dane. So <laughs> but I get so excited every time I get a chance to talk about it because here in LA education, you know, maybe you went to college, maybe you didn't. It's a place you just come and you just hustle. Mm. And again, not to knock the hustle and not to knock everybody's opportunity leading up to, to, to being here. But man, I really worked hard and I appreciate the, 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 the platform to talk, to, to talk about it with folks who well, uh, want to hear it or, or also find those things important or valuable. Well, I think that was really the whole point of, I think, you know, for us, our, this platform we use is really to, 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 to really educate, empower, and impact people who look like we do. Mm -hmm. And reading about you and reading up on your story, I thought it was impactful. And that wasn't a long explanation. It was really, I think, something that we all needed to hear um, because I think education does get lost somewhere now. And like you said, you know, we live in the DMV area, which again is another very transient area. You know, people come, they're in the military. Um, they serve uh, for government, different things. So a lot of people are transplants. Just like Lisa and I, you know, we're originally from New York. So uh, it's a very transient area. But education is an important part. Um, but it's also how you can take what you've learned, whether it be because education comes different ways. It doesn't necessarily come through books, uh, comes through life. But it's how you can use that education to empower others to want to do something impactful. And that scholarship I found to be very interesting. And you, you nailed it on the head. So I'm going to be quiet because I know Lisa got a question because she her eyes blinking uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I want to um just go back to your experience in um south africa i just find that so um exhilarating to go back to our mother country and interact with um you know people of the land so how was that experience it was really eye-opening uh i 
had the same thought, Lisa, I'm going to go back. I'm going to be part of the motherland. Now, South Africa has definitely a different history than other parts of Africa. Right. I mean, Africa is a continent. And right. I feel like sometimes when we reference Africa as just one place, there are completely different experiences based on North Africa, East mm -hmm. Africa. Africa, West Africa. So for me being in South Africa, remember South Africa has a very specific history when it comes to their whole new section of people, the coloreds, right? Mm -hmm. and in America, that's just light-skinned black folk. <laughs> <laughs> but there is no such thing as light-skinned black folk. It's a whole nother class of people that they have created. So for me, they, oh, South Africa also has a large Indian population, East Indian population. So when you saw me or when they saw me, they didn't know where to put me. I wasn't light enough to be colored, but I wasn't Indian enough to be Indian. But as soon as I opened my mouth, they said, you're American. So I, I, it was, but, but it was a pleasant reception. It wasn't uh, Donald Trump was far from <laughs> an office, but in. we were very well recognized and, and admired. And some of the first questions I got were, do you know Will Smith? <laughs> you know Tupac. So they just took our American stars or, or what they thought of America and put that on me and wanted to know about my experience as an American. So it was it was very interesting. And I okay, so remember I said I went to go study dance, right? I looked up a few dance companies and I ended up at um, the Soweto Dance Theater. Am I telling you the truth? That's one of the places we visited. But that, that, my, the whole point is they were so excited to have me. And I showed up on my first day. Y'all, it was a South African equivalent to Alvin Ailey. And remember, I said I just danced in my room. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so they doing you know, pirouettes and jumping all in the air. You know, stretching, doing splits, and I, mm -mm. Mm. I don't want to dance on beat. <laughs> That's all the skill I thought I needed. So, needless to say, they had a community program. So they downgraded me to the community program. <laughs> but what ended up happening is I kind of just decided to travel. Oh, to time. So I took time and I went up through Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe, back down, and I traveled by myself. And it was just so empowering. And and um, it, it was a reminder of no matter where you go, the human component that connects us all. Yeah. A smile is universal. Wow. A kindness is universal, even though you might not speak the same language. So that was a really uh, powerful lesson. And I, yeah, again, always look back with a sense of humor <laughs> and, and appreciation and gratitude for, for that opportunity. Yeah, that I was always wondering because that's just like my dream trip. So now I'm seeing where um, people that have traveled to uh, Africa, they always say, you know, African-Americans are very welcome there. You know, they do welcome you. And, you know, it's like, OK, you back. And because um, of the door of no return, they say now that that's just not the truth because you have returned. So mm -hmm. they welcome you as you know family so right. I, I always just wanted to i just had to double back on that <laughs> <laughs> thing and that's on my bucket list too lisa they have these trips like these yeah come on home trips home yes. home yes. trips and, and you you see the places where they packed us in the ships and 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 left wow. and 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 full experiences of these i, I have a a, a couple people who have gone and 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 just say that it's a must I'm in right. terms of, of going back and understanding the the melanin in our skin and having a different appreciation for it oh. of, of really understanding where it comes from yeah. but also painful yeah uh, very heavy yeah and I think I, I think the experience is in Ghana and apparently from starting these trips, Ghana's um, uh, uh, tourism mm -hmm. uh, has gone through the roof, has like tripled. I mean, of course, this is all pre-pandemic, right. but post-pandemic, I'm sure it's gonna pick up where it left off. And I, and I think that's really wonderful to be able to find that connection to where we come from. Right. right. 
Right, because it has got it. It was lost on the uh, transatlantic. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just I'm, I'm sorry. I just double back on that because I'm so interested when people go home, you know, to the motherland, and I always want to know that. But wow. just switching gears with your growth and opportunity, at some point, um, did you feel like you had to educate yourself to um, in acting? I had to educate myself on a couple different levels of, yes, in acting, I was a performance concentration major, so I, and had been in plays and on stage all my life. The difference with performance as a concentration is instead of doing a straight play like a drama uh, major, you would take a written work and uh, more like storytelling adapted for a pre uh, performance. And I think that's kind of where my natural abilities lie, uh, more storytelling, more using myself as the vehicle to, to mm -hmm. tell a story versus uh, truly recreating uh, a, a character. Mm -hmm. So, but I've done that many times, but what happens in California is you're not on stage anymore it's the camera and the camera is, is right here. So me, you know, when you're doing a play, you have a certain type of, of, of voice to make sure the person in the last row hears you. You have a little bit of extra movement so the person in the last row can see you. But if I'm doing all this, <laughs> I'm looking crazy. So there was a, an, an adjustment and some classes that I took to learn how to bring that true performance of the character, bring it in. So it's still true and real, but it's now for the camera versus for the stage. The second thing, the second lesson was more of a lesson of hard knocks. So remember, okay, we've been talking about North Carolina. I miss UNC. I miss Moorhead. I miss traveling. Don't tell me nothing. I got, you know, just a great family, great upbringing, and I'm ready. I am so ready for LA, so ready for, for them to meet me, for the world to meet me, because that, that has was the case for everything I had done leading up to that point. Anyway, got to LA. Won't nobody stood me. Like, <laughs> how, how do you define yourself? Yeah, as an educated black woman, as this particular scholar, or as all these things, but you go to a place and it holds no currency, it holds no mm. value. Who are you then? Mm. So that was the true lesson that I I feel like I had to learn um, moving to LA from from North Carolina. So. Um, it was tough. I remember going to this, oh, lead, leading up to, to moving to uh, California, I was working for a corporate job in, in, that I had gotten right after, after college in Atlanta, and I hated it. It was a fantastic job as a consultant for a top five consulting firm, but I was in a cubicle and I was doing very technical work. I started uh, breaking out in hives. I know when I start breaking out in hives and I ain't done anything to, to <laughs> cause an allergic reaction, I know it's stress related. Mm. And I know that meant that I had to go and live these dreams. And I told the man who hired me, who was a black man who went to Morehouse, and he said, I think that's, a, I said, I want to quit and pursue my dreams to be an actor. He said, I think that's a great idea. Let me give you two of my contacts. And they ended up being a writer for the Parkers and a writer for the Jamie Foxx show. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. I when I, the first week I was in LA, I went with the the writer for the Jamie Foxx show to some event because everything is about who you know and networking, right? So I was like, I got to wear my best outfit, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I had just gotten this like butter colored uh, leather jacket, wore my butter colored uh, <laughs> my butter colored leather belt. Man, they probably thought I was from Detroit. <laughs> you came so, up in their hood, witch. <laughs> so again, to go from not only who I believe I am and nobody cares, I'm looking my best. Mm. And I still feel completely in a new world, completely out of place, completely um, 
at this point, not enough. Like how, how am I supposed to, to translate into this world that clearly doesn't get me? Mm. So uh, again, one of the biggest lessons learned and the end of that, or it's always a continuation, right? Figuring out who we are or continuing to redefine uh, or speak mm-hmm. based on whatever circumstance comes our way. But mm-hmm. in, in this moment, this big pivotal moment, because this is where some moment we lose some sisters and brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Right. To conform to mm-hmm. some things that don't align with their soul, whether it's um, drugs uh, in the scene or, 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 compromising situations that make them feel like they're getting ahead or or putting on something that's not authentic to them. I had to realize that I am more than any title and then who I am, how how does that how does that how does that um Trying to find the right words for y'all. How, how, does it, how does it resonate? Like, how does it resonate with you? Or how does that, you know? How, it, how can I be so, how can I find her mm, in this new world mm, and her be so strong that I'm able to, to not redefine myself, but like um, stand on that. that right, be, and I'm be, good regardless whether you, whether you see this talent or not because you want um, big cities. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say because because you you you're you're talking on something that really that I I was curious to know because it sounds like you kind of hit on a lot of people lose sight when they get to Hollywood, bright lights, big city. Yes, and yes. you know you you kind of led into something that I was going to ask. This all the right, like how have you been able? Like I said, I, I hear what you what you're talking about, but how have you really been able to stand on your own? And is it really more than we really realize or know about that people actually fall into what you're saying, that trap of conforming to big titties, big ass, the fakeness, the, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, yes. You know, because I mean, we, we <laughs> see it and we see it and we hear it through the tabloids, but you're kind of like they're in the backyard. You know, you're living and experiencing that lifestyle. And is it just yeah. really more than what we realize that's really going on? It is definitely alive and well. And it will definitely call for you at weak moments mm-hmm. where you're not um, on a solid ground of who you are or what mm-hmm. you stand for. Mm-hmm. And it's easy when it feels comfortable to fit in. Mm-hmm. But when you understand that that is not your calling or you're able to stand firm that that is not your calling, then you resonate at the frequency to bring forth and call about your tribe. So maybe that's where mm-hmm. I'm going. Okay. The way that you survive is is find those like-minded people who mm. stand for what you stand for. Because alone is a lonely place and tough forever. Forever, right? yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You've got, you got to find your tribe. And they are out there. Just like I'm out here, you just got to sift and find it a little bit harder and work a little bit harder and put that energy forth a little bit more so that you can Find those people who are like-minded, like-souled, and that becomes your armor. Mm. That becomes, okay, on a, on a weak moment, you're going to have your sister girl remind you that's not you or right. remind you, um, sorry, you didn't get that role or 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 you don't need that boom. <laughs> you are fine just the way that you are. And I will say, though, that I do appreciate that the industry has started to change. We now see people of all sizes, Mm -hmm. all shades of Mm -hmm. us. So uh, things are changing in a positive way, but I think that also part of that change is me finding a circle that looks more like what I feel is home versus when I first came out here and only saw what I didn't want to be or just didn't look like who I I am. Right. That's real right. talk right there. That's real talk. Right. And how does that um you your celebrity, how how does how you use that platform to um impact um the women of color or men of color in the industry? Like how have you used your platform to um empower or speak out to uh people of color? 
and their issues? Yeah, I think uh, the, the biggest thing is definitely being an example of somebody who, who has kept it natural, who hasn't gotten any uh, face fillers, implants, like all, all those things. I, I feel like your biggest, my biggest platform or anybody's biggest platform that they can have is their authenticity of being exactly who they are. Because whether or not I speak or am, you know, blessed to be on a podcast like yours to share my story, my journey, people watch you. Like your example of your day to day and and who you are, that is a strong example that people follow. How does it go? I I hear what you say, but I believe what you do. do. That's right. I feel like my day to day, really trying to keep it positive. Also, recognizing that there is power in vulnerability and transparency. So I also don't want to seem like or or ever come off as oh I got all of it together, y'all. I came out here, they won't feel in my butter lover, you know, Rose, like, no, I was down and out for a minute. No, I went through some things. No, I, 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 I was lonely until I found a tribe. Uh, even now, fast forward 20 years later, in the middle, midst of the pandemic, no, mental health is real. I went through some really sad times. I did gain 20 pounds to reflect this COVID. <laughs> so by me speaking the truth, yes. even when it hurts, yes. even when it hurts, it gives someone the acknowledgement on the other side, like, damn, I'm not alone. Right. Damn, if Janora went through that, then then maybe I'm not so off or weird. Maybe it's okay to find help. It's okay to admit to somebody else. So I feel like my biggest platform is is being real, being mm-hmm. real. Right, okay. because you can sniff out, you know, people you have a um, distinct uh, keenness that you can sniff out who's authentic, um, who's putting on, who's not really coming from the heart or just reciting lines, the catchphrases of right. the time and the day. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? And yeah. Can kinda, yeah. Because what we all are going through with this pandemic and other things in the Black community is real. And it's mm-hmm. very, very, uh, plays a very big part in mental health because yeah. it's just nothing good has happened last year and to the point of national news. I mean, we were going through the whole George Floyd thing. We were going through Ahmaud Arbery in the middle of a pandemic. We lost Kobe Bryant. So it was just a mm-hmm. lot of heaviness. So mm-hmm. to be true in that time to say, no, I didn't um, just sleep my way through this. I went through A, B, C, and D, and this is the tools that I use to get myself back together. And right. it, it's just true. It is. It really is. And, you know, it with, with that, you know, I, I, I do have a, a curious question, you know, speaking of celebrity, um, you know, do you think, you know, actors and celebrities and, and athletes can really play uh, an integral part or role in, in changing the way how, you know, we think in the black and brown community? Absolutely. And I think we have seen that based on Ever since the murder of George Floyd, the people who have stood up, it, it, let's just take sports, for example, Dame, since you just watched our episode on sports from right, the other right. podcast, I feel like LeBron James, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, shucks. Not only taking a stand of, 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 of screaming Black Lives Matter, but, or and, voting. We right. just turned, we... <laughs> Just got orange man out of office and turned Georgia blue. When has that ever happened? And I think it took people who have a platform that people follow to say, you know what? I'm going to vote for the first time because even if it's as simple as LeBron James said it was cool or even uh, what Cardi B and Mm. her when when she sat down with Joe Biden. Right. Who would ever thought that would have happened? Ever in this life. True, true. She's got how many millions of followers? How many people who might have never voted before? But because she said, you know what, this is what I support, and I think you all should consider it, I think it changed things. Now, whether it's um, 
I know there's a controversy between like, well, uh, if that's not their specialty, then they need to not say nothing. No, everybody got to vote. And if my however many followers I have will listen to me differently than they listen to a MSNBC or CNN, then that is that is a power that should be tapped into for good. Agreed. 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 I couldn't have said that any better. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of your, you know, in your answer, you know, you did mention some things about Trump and and Joe, we talked about George Floyd, you know, and I just want to change that lane and really just focus in right now with the state of America. We've seen some craziness transpire in the last month, you know, and since of the, all of these, you know, unfortunate tragedies and everything else, what is really your opinion and what do you think or what do you feel is next uh, for black America as a whole? I am an optimist. Okay. Saying that, it does not mean I have blinders on and I don't recognize that racism is still alive and well, and especially still in the systems that we are part of every day, anything from schools to the banks. But if you don't first start with, it can be better, then where do you go? So I start there first, like as as believing something can be better. And I know that that is the case just based on what we just saw on January 20th with the inauguration and swearing in of Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. And I, I say that not because I think that I don't know, Joe Biden's got the best plan for the black folks. I say that because we made history happen with electing the very first woman into the White House as vice president, but woman of color. And there is power. We just talked about this. There was power in representation. There is power in images. So I already know things are going to get better because this generation, these little girls and little boys are seeing a black person, a person of color in the White House as the vice president. It is knocking ceilings. It is breaking ceilings and, and, and change that we might have on our minds as what is possible and what is not. Right. So for me to know that a five, my, my, my 10 year old little niece sees no limits, damn it, already things are getting better. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is without even talking about policies in place or are we ever going to get our reparations? Right. I'm just talking about just the power in, in that happening, which I don't think can be denied. No, agreed. And in that, you really kind of triggered the next question for me. Um, policies and procedures. Now that Biden and Harris have been elected, that we've helped push them over the top. Yes. And we've done so much that they've asked for, you know, from the black community. So yes. now with the policies and procedures, what, what, I don't want to say what do you expect, but what would you like to see or think we should see as a community from them now that we've helped put them in office? Dame, I, I think how you stated that is perfect. Now that we've put them in office, I don't think they can deny or anybody can deny the power of the black vote in, in, in what has happened in our politics. But now the work isn't, oh, it's done, they're there. No, now the work really starts. We put you there, this is what we want. Let's hold them to task and hold them to, to hold them accountable to why we put them in there in the first place. Mm-hmm. So now part of the reason we put them there in the first place is definitely bringing back decency, humanity, kindness. But now, yes, in addition to that, let's talk about specific policies yes. that really positively affect us. Huh. Yes, so- yes. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm talking about. You're, you're on the same train with like, I think we have a right now to request and demand that you you address us now. Yes, and also what's very important in this equation isn't just, okay, Joe and Kamala. The reason that we got Georgia to turn blue wasn't this, LeBron James said, so it was the grassroots effort of the people on the ground, right? Again, hats off, Stacey Abrams, all the sisters and brothers. I, I don't want to leave out black men. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 uh, but, but the sister led the way. She, uh, look, credit, credit what credit to do. The sister led the way. Yes, yep. mm-hmm. yes. 
Um, but it was grassroots and it started there. And I feel like that energy and, 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 and commitment to change has got to continue on that level. It takes, I mean, there's so many loops and, 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 and red tape to get something to be changed on a federal level. But you know what? You can show up to your community town hall meeting or your, your, your whatever at the local level. And that is truly where change can begin to start. So I would love to see folks that look like you and me still be involved, still be passionate and use that at the local grassroots level, which is again, where, where change starts. And, and I'll give you another example. People get all bent out of shape by things that don't even affect them day to day. Like some stuff that's happening in DC or stuff that's happening in a whole nother town, thousands of miles away. What's happening five minutes from mm. you? that is local. So I feel like all this extra attention, let's bring uh, uh, out, let's bring it back to your community and Mm. let's let's honor the difference that we can make and not just put it on the local elected leaders. Let's be part of that change that we want to see. Absolutely. I agree totally. We have to bring this to back because she's talking exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Because it's the truth. Well, it's big to understand local, your local impact first. Um, and, and spread like we talk about, you know, spread like a, like a limb, you know, we want to connect, you know, community by community and state by state, but you got to start in your backyard locally first. So, um, you know, you are just like leading into so many things, this, and like what you're talking locally in your law, like law enforcement and things like that. And, you know, I don't know a lot of our listeners know, but I know you and your, your spouse is involved in law enforcement. Yeah. And, I want to say, I don't know if it's L.A. where she works, uh, but just being in Los Angeles, I mean, it's a hotbed at times. And I'm just curious to know, like, how do you and your spouse, like, how do you broach conversations with, I think the other part of a lot of our listeners don't know, you know, your spouse is, is not a person of color, you know? So having that racial divide in America, but now it, it can be tense in your home. So how do you broach those conversations and have those conversations with her background being in law enforcement, like how is that dynamic work? It is, uh, I need my own reality show in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I have got so many layers to um, my story and my journey, but all things I'm, I'm proud of and am completely open to share. And you are right, especially after George Floyd was murdered. Now, it definitely before George Floyd, because remember, George Floyd is part of a long list of black men who've been killed by law enforcement. So my wife and I have had, oh, yes, I am also married to a woman Mm -hmm. for the listeners. (laughs) So my wife and I have had conversations along the way about what's really going on, because what happens is I am very passionate about justice um and i need to know that we're on the same team if i sleep with you at night i want to make sure that i am going to bed beside a person who at least we're on the same side of of what justice and um what justice looks like right huh so What I would like to say about the conversations is I wish that it would be, I wish it was an example, or I would love to have it as an example of what I'd like to see in the world. In other words, when we talk, it becomes what really happened in this situation? Can you break it down for me in terms of protocol or how how does it work? Because this is how I feel and this is how I saw it. So can you tell can you tell me why? Can you break this down? Why why this young boy got shot 12 times? Right. In the back. Right. And you know what I do? I listen. I feel like it is a whole current climate where we might ask the question but we don't want to hear the answer because we know the answer or because no, because it's wrong or no, because like I feel like there just needs to be a, a, a legitimate conversation 
where I speak and then I listen. And I listen not just because I'm giving you a space and time and that's polite, but let me see if I can hear something different. Lee, than, than maybe what I've heard on the news or what I've interpreted on my own from the situation. I'm listening with respect and I'm listening with an open mind. And then when I respond, I don't have my prepared response, but if I still feel some kind of way, I'm going to say it. And she's going to listen to me, not as somebody who is trying to attack or, or thinks I know what it's like to be a police officer. No, she listens because she knows I'm a black woman who loves being a black woman. And, and, and I am just not even just love being a black woman, but my history and, 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 and me showing up in the world is important. Mm-hmm. So we have it from, from just a respectful space of wanting to learn and wanting to know and grow. Now, I will say that every conversation doesn't end in a tied bow. I'm still <laughs> mad at some shit. <laughs> but at least the conversation is had in a respectful way that is not, I have not canceled her. I have not like just left or, um, it, 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 Shit, marriage forces you to be in this space mm -hmm. that yes. you have to have it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times from those conversations, I have been able to speak to my people about some things that I may have not known before that could shed some light or give a little extra love and compassion and vice versa. I'm able to speak to my wife in a way that she might not know or understand about some, some things that we as black people feel and not that one person can't speak for a whole group of folks, but overall. Um, and, but sometimes it's hard because you got people who've made up their mind. And if I dare say something, then it becomes like, oh no, Janora's lost touch because she would a white woman or, or something. So, so that becomes tricky too. You know, can I ask you though, because you just mentioned something, I, I don't mean to cut Lisa, you know, but have, you said something that I find, uh, I don't say ironic, but I, I'd like to know. So, you know, you're able to take from your wife and share maybe with your black peers. Mm -hmm. Have you, you see, or have you experienced where your wife has been able to do the same with maybe her white peers or her white circle? or circle of friends to kind of give them some in-depth, like you say, you don't speak for all black America, but you are a black woman in America and you've experienced these things. Has she been able to share some of your thoughts and, you know what, and change something, you know, in, Dame, in reverse? Yeah, Dame, that's a great question. So most of my wife's peers or the, the people she would speak to, I think, in my opinion, would be her colleagues on the job. And I... I am. I would love to give you a specific example. I don't mm. want to say she hasn't because right. I'm, I'm. I just am not privy to her conversations about um, certain topics. Okay. I get it. Um, at at the at the job. Mm -hmm. However, I will say that she does when it comes to her her family. Her her family is um, um, gun to Republican family. Gotcha. <laughs> I need a reality. Do you need a reality? Right, that's what I'm I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but that's just one of those things. Like when I when I heard you say it and being in that situation, like I know it's gotta be hard with everything else going on in America. And then to really be you're living like this divide, yes. you know, every day. And I like you said, when you're married. Whether it looks straight or not, you know, whatever it may be, you're married and yeah. you have certain things that you have to deal with every day. But then you throw in on this complexity. Yeah. And I was just like, Yo, I just I just had to ask. And I don't want to put you on the spot. Don't want to. No. And I know it's, it's, it's difficult. And, you know, next time we get you, we're going to have to have your wife come on. And and we really have to maybe delve into that a little bit more. That would be a very interesting show. <laughs> say, my wife, she she absolutely does listen. And I feel like my wife is a different type of white person um, in that she um, didn't grow up with anything. Like she grew up poor. So so in, in Orange County, California, which is weird, <laughs> right? Like poor people are in Orange County. 
but it, it made her an outsider and also uh, not just the economic situation. My wife grew up Jehovah Witness. So, at, you know, they left church, long story, but, but, but either way, that is definitely an outsider culture. Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. knows what it feels like. And again, this is in no way to say my white wife knows what it feels like to be a black person, but she right. does know what it feels like to not be part of a majority uh, mm. or, 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 um, or feels similar of, of right. being outside. Right. And she also smokes cigars and, um, <laughs> A lot of her cigar smoking buddies are black men. And again, it does not give her a pass at all. But I'm just sharing that to say that she has experience, intel, and a bit more probably uh, connectivity ability mm -hmm. with black folks than maybe Becky down the street. Right. What I'm trying to say. And so that's probably helped our conversations when it comes to being something difficult or specifically related to being an African America and mm -hmm. African American in America mm -hmm. in 2020. Uh, so I will, I will say though, I have seen her stand up to her family when it comes to certain issues that are very specific to us. Um, that is what I've seen with my own eyes. I don't know what she does at work, but uh, in terms of her work, I would like to shout her out in this way. And this is another connection that I have to the vice president of the United States. My wife actually is part of the Metropolitan Division of the Los Angeles Police Department. And that is a specialized division that you have to try out. You actually have to try out to be in. Oh, okay. uh, they don't change the requirements between males and females. She's got to do the same number of pull-ups, push-ups, all that. And when she first got into that unit, it was only 300 officers and only nine were women. So she's a badass. It becomes like the feeder unit for SWAT, um, K-9. And it also has the dig Dignitary Protection Unit. And that's the unit she's currently in. And she, for the last three years, up until maybe uh, a couple months ago, was protecting our California Senator Kamala Harris at the time. So she has a relationship with her. Kamala Harris gave us a wedding gift. Wow. And so it that's been a very cool journey as well. And I also think that has helped in terms of our conversations of what's happening on the streets, because right now she's not on the streets on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and I feel bad for her sometimes. I mean, now granted, some people might be like, <laughs> She would tell me a story back when she was like on the beat. She saw it was she pulled up to a 7-Eleven and it was um like a young black toddler, maybe like four years old. And, and she's waving to him. The little boy waved back. The mama grabbed his hand. And, don't don't you don't you wave him. You know, don't don't wow. you wave back. So it sucks to know that my wife, who I do believe in and stand up for in terms of her ethical and uh, her, her ethical character, mm -hmm. and I know she's a good person. And I know that when she waved that little boy, it was nothing but love. Mm -hmm. And and how can we come together from a history of mistrust um, to, to, to where we can Build, rebuild. It's gonna take a lot of work because I mean, right now, um, unfortunately, that I don't want to say that uniform, but any type of law enforcement uniform is just viewed in a negative light. Unfortunately, you know the the actions of the few really makes it hard and, and difficult for the many that wear that uniform. Yeah, absolutely, um, and we just really need to figure out a way to bridge that gap you know and get law enforcement back at the table with people in the community uh, and really create positive dialogue to make change absolutely and at, that goes back to the grassroots conversation like how does that happen on your local level and then yeah. how do we as people as human beings are, how are we able to effectively separate a system from the individual cool. how can you call out a system for for being fucked up but still be kind to my wife yeah right but that's going to come with the um, reconstruction um, and the reconstruction of the culture of the police department, yeah. because it's not it's your wife is not primarily the problem here. It's the culture of the police department. And when you have citizens who can't uh, distinguish between the culture 
of the police department and an individual police officer, um, then that's where we have the problem because you have police officers that um, go out of their way to be known in the community. Like when we were growing up, you knew who your local cop was, you knew who they were, you knew through different programs, like in the inner city where uh, Dame and I grew up, a police athletically, you know, you knew who the police officers were. So now that you have this mass influx of over-policing, then it becomes us against them. So it's no longer community policing because there's a difference between mm -hmm. community policing and over-policing because community police knows, hey, I know your mom's at work. Get yep. your butt over here. You're not supposed to be here. You know, that's community policing, but over policing is get against the wall. I don't know your mother. I don't know who you are. You look suspicious, you know? So now you have that big um, distrust yeah. of yeah, the man. whole uh, uniform. So it doesn't really matter to the community anymore, unfortunately, who's wearing a uniform. So you're already, that story is almost sad but it's true because yep. you're teaching a four-year-old that you cannot trust the police. And it's like, where do a parent go with that information? Right. Because you can't trust the police overall, <laughs> but it's not everyone. So this is just a cycle, a rotting cycle and a rotting system that we all community and police need to, you know, get that uh, part together. Yep. Well, sad, sis. So, uh, sad, I believe it is sad, um, but I think, um, you know, I'm going to let Lisa switch gears because there was something else that we were also looking into trying to make, you know, the move, make it a little more upbeat. <laughs> and, um, you know, as we move towards closing this out, uh, I know Lisa had another question. So, um, Talking about your podcast and everything, how did that start? How did it begin? And what is it about? Sure. So the podcast that I uh, co-host is called This Week in BPS. And BPS stands for, uh, yep, Black People Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I didn't want to say the name. Hey, that's going right. Hey, that's why I was waiting for her to build up to it. Go ahead. <laughs> so... I was part of this podcast before podcasts were even a, a thing about 11 years ago, we were black Hollywood weekly with the stars. And it was four of us, Tangerine Martin, Tangerine is her real name, Karen Ward Bros, Christy Ferris and myself. We were all very different, but all Hollywood actresses. And we came together to talk about all kind of black Hollywood shit. Um, <laughs> but it was positive. It was it was positive. We we talked about it was we called it TMZ meets BET. <laughs> ah, I love it. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Well, we all started working, so we broke up. But when the pandemic hit, we decided to do a reunion show because folks looking for content, looking for something to do, why not do a reunion show? So when we did a reunion show. Tangerine at the time has two shows. I'll give her a shout out. She's got two shows that go live on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Tangerine's Top Talent on Tuesdays and Shoot Your Shot, which is a live dating show. Okay. <laughs> it's all very interesting. And that's on Thursdays at three and that's Tangerine. Karen started doing meditations with Karen and she has her own tea line. Wow. And that's uh, at noon on Wednesdays. Not every Wednesday, but it's a very um, meta tea or a meditation with tea, tea. Oh. and a deep kind of conversation with someone. So that just left me and Christy. <laughs> so Christy as with this guy, Abdul Majid, who's a writer had done just this black people shit, three minute stand up during, well, bet between the breakup and the pandemic. So she was just like, Janora, it's just me and you, you want to reboot this and do something completely different. And so I said, yes. So now, it's Christy Ferris, myself, with the writer Majid. We kept the black people shit, but we made it a bit more um, easier. Well, we made it uh, easier on the ears. <laughs> <laughs> the audience is, of course, because some people dig the black people shit. Right. Uh, 
but oh, it is I now this week in BPS. And we talk about, yep, current things all in the black community that are specific black people shit. So it's really been a fun ride. We first went live almost a year ago. I guess it was when the pandemic hit. So that would be maybe April, April of last year. And now we are on a whole new season. I think we've got about 30 episodes in the can. And every week, sometimes, well, sometimes we have guests, sometimes we don't, but either way, we're talking about Black people shit. (laughs) But we love to leave, not just folks in the muck, but uplift. So it it definitely has a positive tone and ends with a Black person of the week, which is someone in the community that we may or may not have known of um, to, to, to celebrate and highlight. Good. I will tell anybody that that's taking time out to listen to two mics up, definitely take a listen to uh, Black People Shit. I had the pleasure uh, this past Wednesday of tuning in and joining in on the fun and the conversation. Um, I think it's a great show. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I They have a very good chemistry. Um, and it really is. I, I, I will tell anybody, take some time out, tune in on a Wednesday night. Join Janora, Janora, Christy, and Abdul. Um, great guy. Abdul, he from he from back east, right? He from Jersey or New York, isn't he? Can't you tell? Yes. I, I'm, gonna say, I'm like, yo, this dude right here, he got that swag. <laughs> he got that, he, yeah, you know I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, he back home. He definitely from back home. It was, it was, it was a good show. Good show. Check it out, y'all. Thanks for that. Yep. We, and we go live every Wednesday on our Facebook page and on YouTube. And that's uh, this week, uh, this week at BPS. Yes. And 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Y'all know I got my time zone. (laughs) I'm so challenged. But that's what it is. Yes. Wednesdays, 4 p.m., 7 (laughs) p.m. (laughs) <laughs> so let's um talk about cashmere and gold entertainment. Okay. So tell us uh, what it's about, uh cashmere and gold, and um how did it start? So cashmere gold entertainment is the entertainment company that I have with my wife, Layla. Uh so yes, she's LAPD, but she also loves music. So she started DJing for fun on the side and it became a kind of gig for her, for people that she knew. So a lot of things are just like word of mouth. Who'd you get to do your wedding? Or who'd you get to do your birthday party? And then it became my wife's name uh, in the rotation. (laughs) She had done this wedding once and they were really trying to do a low budget kind of thing. They didn't have an MC. Like how you gonna have a wedding reception and no (laughs) MC, just a DJ. So uh, Layla was like, hey, give my wife the microphone and she'll handle it. And that's exactly what happened. And that's how Cashmere and Gold uh, was born. So she's the DJ and I'm the MC as the song goes. And we do, or up until the pandemic, have done live live gigs, whether it's your backyard birthday party, all the way to corporate events. So that's been a lot of fun because it's always nice to have a business with your spouse. Right. Um, just to kind of build something together on the side that has nothing to do with anything except your personal interest and passion. So that's that's what Cashmere and Gold is. Now, since then, we've expanded Cashmere and Gold. We actually bought a Duffy boat together. So what a Duffy boat is, that's an electric boat that you just chill on. You're drinking wine with your friends. It holds up about 10 people and just hanging out. So we decided to turn that into a business as well. So you can look us up. We can completely cater your, cater to whatever you need, whether it's just a, a date night out or a birthday party or bachelorette party with your girls or a nice just Sunday wine day. I am expanding the cashmere and gold part of the boat business to be a facilitator of my wine to take things back full circle oh, oh. wine and so to be a wine experience as well and what better place to drink wine than on the water wow. and what i'd like to do or what i'm experimenting with now while we're under pandemic and we ain't really trying to see no strangers quite yet <laughs> but i'm thinking of featuring black wine makers as part of the nice. yeah because i i like wine and uh I, I figure it would be a way to continue to explore my own taste and interest in wine 
while um, yeah, sharing that with others, whether they're strangers just visiting or, or friends we're trying to showcase to have a good time. And so I know there's a realm of people that look like us in the wine world yes. that might be undiscovered. So why not let things that I love, again, be a platform for us to, to continue to shine and, and uh, shine off each other, with each other, make each other brighter, but, and do things that you enjoy. I love uh, that idea. I, we actually I love it. have a local wine uh, person here, Dolores Grimes, mm-hmm. uh, just started out and she's making her own wine, which is delicious. Mm-hmm. But, um, and she is definitely a person of color and a part of the LGBT community. Okay. And she um, was a little nervous, you know, how that goes starting out and everything, but she's doing really well. And the wine is really good. I'm not a wine drinker. I'm hard liquor, but it was really good. <laughs> no, but I think that's one of those things that we need to try to work behind the scenes and, and get you guys connected. Um, yes. that would be and, great. And, yeah. and, and see what, what can happen because, you know, just like I said, early on, whatever you do seems like it, it works well. Your energy, Janora is amazing. And if you and your wife seem like you, you get your head together and, and do things, uh, great things are going to come in the future. And I, I just love, like I said, this your your, your smile, your energy. Um, you are just a ball of nonstop. <laughs> I can just see you just nonstop. So I, I can see it. So <laughs> please, before we get out of here, please let our listeners know what they can expect from you outside of all of the amazing things that you just mentioned. Um, I can't wait to see, but what does Janora McDuffie have for herself, the actor, the actress, stage, anything? What's what's next for you in, in the oh. near future? Oh, man. What's next for me? All amazing, wonderful things that I hope you all stay tuned for. Um, <laughs> as an actor, I am so thrilled Right before the pandemic hit, I got with a new manager who is a sister, uh, who is slaying in her own right. And I'm so excited to be connected to, again, somebody that looks like me, but somebody who is hungry and, and go-getter. So I can't wait to see what we do together as as things continue and hopefully continue to, to, to open up in terms of the industry. Uh, so that means... Acting wise, in the meantime, just catch catch me on a few um, replays <laughs> of some good episodes of uh, of uh, TSI Los Angeles, of Criminal Minds, and of course of Grey's Anatomy. So catch me on some solid replays. But just know that I, I am teamed up, uh, Davida Smith of Etcetera Company, and we about to do some things. Okay. Um transferring over though into acting, but you don't see me, I do quite a bit of voiceover work. I know that's something we hadn't quite touched on, but right now I've got a Lexus radio spot running. I've got a UPS spot running. Uh, I have an Aldi grocery store spot, a few spots that are about to start running. So that's been a beautiful part of the business that I have been active in throughout the pandemic because I don't have to be anywhere mm-hmm. in front of people. I can be in my closet studio <laughs> by myself. So that's been some work that I've really been excited about and grateful for. And in terms of that world and my growth, I am putting forth out there that you are going to hear me on an animated series. So All right. All I would right. love to see my, my voice work and, and uh, make it come alive in a beautiful animated way. Podcast wise, again, yep. Uh, this week in BPS, catch me on Wednesdays. That's where it, it's current. You see me in a new outfit and a new background each week <laughs> with a new uh, conversation about Black people shit. So that's probably the main things. And in, in terms of following that journey, to watch the things manifest that I have put out there on Instagram, I am at J McDeezy. That's J M C D E E Z I E. And on uh, Facebook and Twitter, I'm at Janora McDuffie. Well, you got a follower in me, because I, I want to know what voiceover. I want to be able to listen and be like, oh, I know her. That's Janora. You know, I want to drop a name, too, here and there. <laughs> I love it. Well, Thank we- you. We are, well, I know uh, two Mike's of family, uh, myself, my wife, and uh, we follow you. Uh, we definitely try to keep up on what's going on. We will continue to follow and support. Um, please know that you always uh, have a home here with two Mike's up. 
um, we will definitely look uh, to, uh, and, and this is in all seriousness, we're working on a couple of things with the uh, LGBTQ community. Um, and we're looking for uh, people who don't mind this coming in and having candid conversations. Um, I think we really need to address some of the issues within the black community first. Um, the views that we have, uh, some of the conversations that we don't have uh, or just ignore or sweep under the rug. Um, and it would be an honor if you or you and your wife, if you wouldn't mind coming back, um, maybe taking part of that conversation. Um, it's been amazing uh, just talking to you today. feel like I've gained a sister and <laughs> a friend and, you know, I learned so much about you. Um, but before I close out, Lisa, anything you want to say before we go today? No, I just I was enlightened by this show. Thank you, Janora, for um, taking some time out to be with us. Um, I think that what you're doing on the multiple streams is also a lesson uh, for our community to know that you can take something, your passion, and turn it into a stream of income. I love the diversity um, that you possess, you know, and I just love, <laughs> I love the candor. Because, see, I feel like I can relate. You know, I can relate to all of those uh, things. So it was a pleasure. And I'll be looking forward to Black people shit because that's what I'm into. <laughs> uh -huh. Gotta check it out, y'all. You, you definitely got to check it out. And definitely looking forward to having you on um, our panels for healing in the Black community and bridging the things that divide us as far as in our own LGBTQ plus community. So. All well, right. Well, well thank you both. This this has been a great time. Uh, thank you guys of uh, the two mics up audience who who tuned in and, and stuck around and showed love as well. So yes, I, I'm family now. So yeah. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you again. So listeners, um, you know you can always check uh, two mics up. You can check us out online at www.twomicsup.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, IG, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Mics Up. And like we always do at this time, stay safe, stay blessed. Mike's out. Mike's out.